listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest. He is coming all the way from St. Louis. And this guy's been in the game for the last, what, like five, six plus years. He, he's been an investor for the last 17. In St. Louis, has over 500 wholesale deals in just the past five years, 65 rentals buy and holds and he's got a free course for you guys today which is awesome so you definitely want to stay tuned to the end and then we'll give you guys the access for that but you have a podcast as well you've been doing it for a while you're helping out a lot of people which is awesome that's what it's all about I mean for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are or if you want to dive in a little bit deeper to who you are your story you know I greatly appreciate it but yeah no problem man no problem yeah, so I've been investing in real estate for about 15, 16, maybe even going on 17 years. The first 10 years, 11 years of that, it was passive. I was buying, you know, maybe one house a year or a house even every other year. Sure. Um, I was buying them off the MLS. I was paying retail. I was getting a conventional loan, putting down 20%. And, you know, over about 11, maybe even 12 years, I had acquired about 10 rental properties. And so I had my feet in the game, right? But I was always paying retail, going through agents, buying off the MLS. And about six years ago, I would say at this point, I feel like I've been saying, I feel like I've been saying five years for two years, three years now. So yeah, yeah. maybe even seven years ago at this point, yeah. I decided, hey, you know, I really like real estate. I like the passive income that I'm getting off of these rentals that I've acquired. And I want to do this full time and I don't really want to be in the brokerage side of the business. I have no interest in like listing properties or driving buyers around and like dealing with a ton of paperwork. And I'd rather, you know, just try to find deals for investors and wholesale them. It's just easier and you can make more money and you can kind of systematize it and automate a lot of the business, which you can't really do in your traditional brokerage side. Still a lot of man hours involved. So long story short, about five, six, seven years ago, I went full time. I hired a coach and I learned how to start marketing to motivated sellers. And once I did that, phones started blowing up. And in the last you know, five, six years, I've done over 500 wholesales. And I have a coaching business that teaches people how to wholesale. Now, I want to start by saying, if you're new and you're listening to this or watching this, wholesaling is a great way to make money in real estate. It's a great way to get into real estate, but it's a job. It requires a lot of work and it's not, place, right? say that again. A lot of systems in place to be able to make sure that it's successful. Well, there's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a lot of work. You know, it definitely isn't for those who don't have thick skin and those who are, you know, willing to, not willing to hustle. You know, right. you, you got to put into the work. However, it's a great place to start because you can earn great money and you can learn a ton about the business. So to me, it's a means to an end, right? 
It's a way to find great rentals for our own portfolio. It is a great way to find fun rehab projects for my team and I to go tackle. And, you know, basically our kind of, our motto is, you know, we're going to do marketing to motivated sellers and we're going to keep the best and we're going to wholesale the rest. Yeah. So keep the best, sell the rest. Right. And it's, it's very simple, but we live and breathe by that, you know, keep the best, sell the rest. Regardless, we are marketing directly to motivated sellers. It's very rare that we buy deals off the MLS, you know, maybe one in 10 will get off the MLS, but the other nine that we're buying are direct to seller marketing. And that's really what wholesaling is, in my opinion. It's more of a marketing business than it is an investing business. You know, you become an investor when you start taking risk yeah. and you start putting your money or your name on the line to get loans or, you know, you can make a lot more money, not always, but typically, but you have risk of losing and in wholesaling you don't, right? So you're really in the marketing business but it's a great way to transition into the investor business because there's no better way to find a deal than direct to the seller. You're not yeah. having to pay the commissions and you can get the price way down. And it's just, it's really that simple. So me and my partner, Mike, we wrote a book. It's well, available on Amazon. It's called the ultimate guide to wholesaling real estate. It's not thin. It's about 300 pages. Not thin um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's basically my entire business, you know, what we do to market to motivated sellers, how we talk to them on the phone, you know, if we set an appointment, why, how, when, what we say on the appointment, then what we do. I mean, it's, it's the whole step-by-step -step guide to wholesaling. And the thing about wholesaling is it's actually really, really, really simple. But I don't want you guys to confuse simple with easy. Those are two different yeah. things. Definitely not. Two different things, right, Brandon? So, you know, the business is incredibly simple. So simple that, you know, we're doing anywhere from six to 10 deals a month. And I don't usually see half the houses. Yeah. Um, I usually don't even know we did some of these deals until they close and we get a check in the mail. So it's just like, you know, it's very, very simple. But if you're new, it's not easy. You got to learn all the systems. But, you know, at this point, my partners and I and everybody that's on my team, we love real estate. We love walking through properties. We love making offers. So it's really not even that, that much of a job. It's just kind of a hobby for us. So yeah. let's yeah. back up real quick though. If you yeah. are new to real estate investing, you don't know what wholesaling is. Let's start there, right? So what it is, is it's a marketing business to locate motivated sellers, go out and get those properties that they own and have under contract, and then it's selling the contract. That's in the most simplest form what it is. You can assign that contract or you can go double close that contract. Depending on where you live and what title company you're using, you may or may not even need to bring money to the table. Yeah. I'm fortunate being in St. Louis, Missouri, our state doesn't require you know funding and neither does our title company. So I can use my end buyer's funds to purchase and double nice. close it or just assign and you know have zero money out of pocket in the deal. Now, the catch is, is we have money invested in the marketing. It's not free, right? Yeah but it's little to no money in the deal, right? And ideally which, zero. Which right there breaks down that low risk factor. You know, exactly. if anybody's wondering, you know. And you don't need money to market. I mean, you could cold call Craigslist and for sale by owners on Zillow and for rent on Zillow yeah. and you could find deals that way. We, we do it all the time. Sure. Right? But we like to spend money on marketing so our phone rings so we don't have to sit in the office all day and all night calling out. We'd rather have people calling in. So yeah. there's two ways to go about your marketing. There's hunting or there's fishing. Yeah. So hunting is outbound calling, outbound texting, but it requires time. 
And the other way is phishing. And that's when you pay to put your message in front of somebody and then they click on your website form or they call you or, you know, whatever it is, but they're basically getting in touch with you. So we do both here at my company, but I really, really like to fish because, you know, think of it this way. If you're out in the woods with a gun and you're trying to kill a deer or boar or something like that, you know, it's going to be difficult to get two or three of them, right? You're going to, I mean, at least at a time, you're going to, you know, have to focus on one. It's like the old saying, try to catch two rabbits. Yeah. You're never going to, you're going to be right. So it's not a bad strategy, but think of it, you know, when you go fishing, you could bring 50 fishing poles to the lake with you and yeah. cast it in the water and then put the pole in the ground and, and keep going. And that's why I like marketing that, you know, we can pay for because it helps get the message out. And then, you know, we're just kind of sit back and wait for the calls to come in. So um, that's the, basically what wholesaling is, Brandon, and all for all the listeners and viewers. It's very simple. It's, you know, going out and it's, it's basically solving a problem for somebody. The house is usually the problem about one third of the time. Mm. So if that, if you don't understand what that means, that means that, you know, they have a home that they need to sell but typically two thirds of the time, it's not the problem. It's something else that they're dealing with in their life. And the house just helps them solve the other problems. So what do those problems look like? Death, divorce, yep. disease, job relocation, children yep. leaving the home, children coming into the home, inherited properties, like I said, with death. I mean, yep. the reasons that somebody would need to sell. Sometimes the house is the biggest problem and you're solving the problem by buying it. But most of the time it's something else and they just have a house and it's in the way. Sure. You can help buy that house. And what we do as wholesalers is, and this is the simplest way to look at it, guys. We are just the liquidity makers. We're the market liquidity makers. That's all that we do, right? We didn't have wholesalers in the mix. You'd have agents and you'd have investors. And investors typically aren't good at marketing. That's where wholesalers come in, right? So if somebody wanted to get a house sold quick, their options would be they could go do a bunch of marketing to try to get somebody to come out and buy it, or they can hire an agent who's going to list it, but there's no guarantee there. Yeah. But with wholesalers, you know, we got the signs all over town, the website, we buy houses, we got um, the radio advertisements, we're sending mail, we're cold calling, we're cold texting, and we're letting people know in advance that we are here to buy houses, right? So what we do other than, you know, provide liquidity, or I guess I should say how we provide liquidity is simply providing convenience in exchange for a discount. And that's it. Period, guys. Do not overthink it. You yeah. can read a 300 page book, right? But at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're going to trade convenience to somebody else for a discount. And that's it. And if they're not willing to give you a big discount or even a slight discount, then you shouldn't be willing to give them, um, you know, the convenience. Sure. So when I go out or I'm on the phone with somebody. Let's say I'm on the phone with somebody and they call in. The first thing I say is, hey, you know, I'm Dave. Thanks for calling. I'm an investor. I'd love to buy your house. I don't pay retail. So I just want to stop right there and let you know that if you're looking for that, I'm not your guy. You know, again, I'm pulling back my convenience out the gate. Yeah. Right. But if you are willing to give me a deal, guess what I got for you? I got convenience, which looks like cash. It looks like as is, and it looks like quick, right? And when I say quick, two to three weeks, typically, can right. we do it in three to four days? Yeah. If it's a home run, but I don't want to have to get out of bed and go rush around, right? It's two to three weeks, but that is quick guys. Two to three weeks is, is extremely quick. If you compare it to them listing it with an agent, which there's no guarantee that it'll sell. But most of the time, whenever you do go that way, 
the buyer's using a loan and you know, you're going to be looking at two, three, four months, you know, sometimes best case, or we can do it in two, three, four weeks. So, you know, we are providing a awesome level of convenience. Cash doesn't mean it's my cash. It just means that we don't need to go to the bank to get a loan because yeah. we have a ton of partners, right? I bought 98 houses last year with my team, not me alone. My team and I bought 98 the year before. I think we bought 93. Maybe I'm flip-flopping them, but either way, it's a lot of houses. When I'm talking to a seller, you know, I tell them that, but not to brag. It's just to say, hey, how could one human buy 90 plus houses? Like, unless I hit the lottery, I have to have a lot of partners. So every time I make an offer on a house, it's contingent on one of my partner's approvals. I don't write their name, I just say partner's approval. And that opens up the floodgates to anybody and everybody that I can find to go partner with me. Yeah. And the way I look at partnering is, I don't really wanna be in the deal after the close. I just yeah. wanna partner to bring everybody to the table and get paid and then go away. And that's the beautiful thing about wholesaling. So little to none investment is true. However, if you don't have time to invest, you are gonna have marketing costs that you're gonna have to invest to get those deals. So that's the caveat sometimes people say, you can do this with no money, true. It's yeah. absolutely true, but it ain't easy whenever you don't have any money, right? You, if you have something to put into a marketing budget or even a time budget, right? You don't have to have money. And I have a lot of students that come to me, Brandon, that don't. And I just say, that's fine, but you need to commit two to three hours a day. If you don't have any money to invest, you need to. So they say, okay, but that's fine. What am I doing with that time? Well, that means that you're gonna be cold calling, cold texting and door knocking or going to networking clubs or networking meetings, invest in your education and invest into trying to locate these sellers without paid marketing, right? And then once you start doing deals, then you can put a little bit of the deal back into your marketing and it's no longer a cost, it becomes an investment. So every time I spend money on marketing, it's an investment. It's an investment into doing more deals. I don't look at it like a cost anymore. I love that. So I do want to talk more about the hunting and fishing aspect of marketing. I, I think that's a great analogy right there but you just brought up contracts for a second so this is something that I hear from other people that they're struggling with when it comes down to writing their contingencies just in case if they have to pull out now have you ever found yourself out of all the deals you've done in one of those situations that this property is just not selling that you have under contract and you gotta let it go or whatever it may be yeah I mean it happens all the time I'd say it's like you know maybe one or two out of ten but when that happens, I never like am worried. I'm never upset and I don't have to worry about the seller getting upset. And the reason is, is because I take the transparency approach from the beginning yeah. and I tell them I'm going to do everything in my power to find a partner to get this deal done. Yeah. And let's say we get all the way to the closing table even and the partner backs out. We always require a non-refundable earnest money deposit sure. and I don't ever keep it. I give it to the seller to buy more time. So I say, Hey, sorry that this happened. But guess what? I got a hundred more partners. This guy just, you know, what for whatever happened. And I'll give them the earnest money to help cover the mortgage for one, two, sometimes even three months when I don't even need that much time. But it helps appease them. And I also tell them from the get-go that I'm going to be bringing in a partner and the deal is contingent on me convincing a partner to work with us. Yeah. Not me, us, right? So if that guy were to back out, you know, they know that it wasn't me, that it was them, right? Yeah. I told them from the get-go. Or if you don't even get to the point where you find the buyer and you're just marketing the deal, you can just go back and you can just say, hey, I'm having trouble finding a partner. I either need more time if you want to keep working with me because it's not costing you anything. I'm working for free to try to help you get this thing sold. Yeah. Or you can give me a better price, which will help me find my partner. So, mm -hmm. you know, you pick. And it's so rare that people say, 
no more time, you know, at a minimum, right? You know, sometimes they'll say, okay, we can do a little better price for you, which is great because you're getting a better price without even asking directly yeah. for it. You're just kind of saying, here's our options, you know? But again, I just, I make that approach very transparent from the beginning. I'm going to bring a partner in on this. You know, I bought 90 plus last year. And, you know, the way we do that is by having a lot of partners. So and um, it's, it's really that simple, man. For your contingencies, you're only putting on there partner's approval? Well, yes and no. So we always have an inspection period number of days. I mean, usually we'll shoot for, you know, like 10 days typically. But here's a pro tip for you guys. And, and you know, if they don't want to give us 10 days, then we won't. If they want to give us 20, we'll take it, right? We're always going to ask for inspection period because we still have to inspect and so does our partner. So yes. I'll never go into a deal without an inspection period unless it's 50 cents on the dollar or better and I'm the buyer. I'm not even trying to wholesale. I'll just, okay, cool. I'll go look at it once it's, it's, it's sold. Yeah. But typically I'm wanting 10, 15, maybe 20 days, as long as they're going to give me, right? If, if they really need to close in three weeks, then we'll get it done. But again, I need to have a great discount for me to give them the convenience of being able to close in two, three weeks, right? Otherwise we'll get 10, 15, maybe 20 days. But here's the pro tip guys. Add the word business behind days and you will buy yourself a whole hell of a lot more time. 40% yeah. more time, 40% more time, 10 days versus 10 business days is 14 days, right? Look at 20 days, 20 days versus 20 business days, yeah. 28 days. That's a month. Yeah, that's great. If you can ask for 20 business days. You got yourself a month or five business days is seven. I mean, you're going to get 20 more percent. So always add that in on your inspection periods. Because um, that one word is 40%. I mean, these simple yeah. things like this really, really help a ton. So you asked about my CYA clauses, my contingencies, right? Yeah. We have based on partner's approval. We have an inspection period to inspect and show all of our contractors, inspectors, and partners. Yeah. That gives us the ability to access the property. Contracts assignable, and we have the right to market the property. On some contracts, we'll even add that we want the approval from them and the ability to list it on the MLS before we buy it from them to see if we can go find a partner that way. Because at the end of the day, usually what they want is to sell the property. How we go about buying it doesn't really matter as long as we buy it. So if we are going to give them lots of tools in our belt, it shows them that we are going to do everything we can to buy it, right? So we don't always go that MLS route, but if it's a slim deal, or yeah. a deal that, you know, we don't think we're going to have very many off market buyers for, we'll tell them, hey, we're going to list this for you. You don't have to pay any commissions or anything because we're going to pay all that, right? But we're going to buy it for X and we're going to try to sell it for whatever else. But at the end of the day, if you get X, you're going to be happy, right? Absolutely. So it all depends on the level of motivation, Brandon. If somebody is very, very motivated, they're going to work with you. They're going to do anything they can to get that problem solved. And we are just solutions. We're just problem solvers. That's all we do. Liquidity to the marketplace and we trade convenience for a discount. That's it. Simple. Yeah, that's good. So when it comes down to those type of different solutions that you guys can provide, it really comes down to the states. You know, like not all 50 states can actually pull off having it in contract and still marketing it on the MLS and, and so forth. So all listeners, I think just be wary. And it depends if you get their permission. If you get their permission, you, you should be able to, you know, yeah. but again, I don't know all the laws in all the other states. I know that in my own local MLS, we can yeah. list a property owner by contract even. So I don't even necessarily yeah, need 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't even need their permission, but I would rather get it. Again, I like the yeah. transparency approach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> shooting for the win win. Yeah. I don't want them to go see their property on the MLS or really even Zillow because it's going to syndicate. <laughs> and then them not know. I want to tell them, hey, you're going to see it tomorrow. So go look. It's going to be yeah. there. I'm going to let them know. Take the transparency approach. But, you know, it all starts from the very first sentence. And that is whenever I'm out on an appointment or somebody calls me or I call them, I always start with, hey, I'm Dave. You know, thanks for calling or thanks for taking my call. I'm an investor. I would love to see the house that you have, make you an offer on it. But I don't pay retail. Yeah, that's so good. And that's it. I stop with that. I don't pay. I want you to know that right now, because if you are not willing to give me some sort of a discount, then I'm not really willing to continue this phone call. Like, yeah. why? I have better things to do. If I'm going to go out of my way to offer you a crazy level of convenience, then I need a deal. I don't need to get it for half off, but I need to get some money. I need to get a deal on it, right? Have you, have that's you ever thought about keeping, you know, some agents on your team that you can refer off if they ever did want to go that route? Yeah, and I got three agents on my team. My partner's a broker agent, and then my other partner's an agent, and then our assistant's an agent. So we have in-house agents. Our acquisition guy's an agent too, actually. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we offer that, right? But it's not really like listing somebody's property isn't really our MO, and we don't even really pitch it. Instead, we say we want to buy it, and then we're going to list it. We would rather be able to make the spread than the commission because the spread's always bigger. Yep. Right? The commission's usually... And especially whenever it's those type of houses, they're not $400,000 houses. Yeah. People know better. You know, these houses are anywhere from 40 grand to 140 grand, you know, or less even sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, we'd rather make the spread, you know, or just go back to them and say, sorry, we couldn't do it versus get the listing. And I'm not an agent, but my team could. And then them have to go back and say, sorry, we didn't sell it. Because then you let them down. Yeah. If you list it and you can't find a partner, you're not letting them down. You're telling them, hey, I tried. Yeah. So again, like whenever a deal falls through or something doesn't end up happening, I never panic because I set it up from the beginning to not. I want everyone to know what's going on. And if somebody screws me, I'm going to tell them I got screwed and we got screwed. Yeah. But, you know, again, typically I'll get that non-refundable earnest money from our buyers Good. or we'll just keep trying to find a buyer. So if you're new guys, you don't even need to have a big buyers list to get started. You know, Facebook Marketplace is a great place to list deals these days. Also, local Facebook groups. So, you know, like I'm in St. Louis, so there's like St. Louis Real Estate Investors. And there's five or six small groups that are just for my city. So if you're in Indianapolis or San Diego or Austin, Texas, go on Facebook and find, the, you know, the local real estate groups, post deals there. All the investors are in those groups. They're trying to find deals. They're posting their deals. Lots of deals can get done there. And then Craigslist, you know, Craigslist isn't dead. You know, you can post a deal on Craigslist and sell it or even find motivated sellers there. So lots of ways to do this business. Again, it's so incredibly simple. You just got to have some hustle. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about the marketing aspect, the hunting and fishing. I love that. I've never heard of those kind of terms when it comes down to marketing for real estate. So what are some of, you know, each market is slightly different, right? But what works the best for you guys? What do you prefer? You know, we do a lot of different types of marketing. I had a coaching call with some of my students last night and we were talking about this. And, you know, our main sources of marketing right now are polling lists and we pull lists of motivated sellers that are assumed to be motivated, right? So you don't really know if somebody's motivated until you talk to them, right? So what would make you assume that somebody would be motivated to sell? Well, that would look like, you know, probate lists. That would be like, you know, 
tax delinquencies that might be pre-foreclosure or even foreclosure. That may look like absentee-owned properties, especially vacants, which can be absentee-owned as well. You know, and then we also will market to high equity. Now, when you market to high equity, you're not presuming motivation. It's just more of casting a wide net. But, you know, all these different types of lists we buy. We buy them routinely, very often. So then we take those lists, we skip trace them, and we skip trace them. And then we have two guys on our team. One guy does nothing but cold text. And once he gets a motivated person, he picks up the phone and calls them. The other guy is on a dialer and he's just dialing. We hit the same people on every list two different ways, via text or via, via call. And these guys are getting different lists at different times. So basically, they're not going to be hitting the same list the same week. It's usually two, three weeks apart, which will just help because, again, it's, you know, it doesn't seem like it's the same company or the same person. So cold calling and cold texting, we got a, basically a full-time guy for both of those. Nice. And, that's, and that's what I like to refer to as hunting, you know. Uh, we don't do uh, very many RVMs. We'll do it occasionally, but usually it's more of a follow-up tactic than it is, you know, I, I don't like to spam people with messages necessarily. Yeah. So we don't do a whole lot of that. So cold calling and cold texting is our main sources. And then we're on the radio. We have a small budget of just a couple thousand a month for radio ads, and that helps get the calls to come into us. Right. And then occasionally we'll do a mail campaign and or a bandit sign campaign. We don't, we're not as consistent with those. However, when we do do them, we'll hit, you know, a ton. We'll buy five, six, seven hundred bandit signs or we'll send out, you know, five to 10,000 postcards at once type of thing. Sure. So we have multiple ways of marketing. And really at this point, I've been in the game, you know, six, seven years. I'd say maybe 20% of all the deals that we do at this point anyway are from referrals. Yeah. So we don't even need to spend as much as we would have because people know we're in this business and you know, they see me online posting about buying houses and they may have one from their great aunt or, yeah. you know, maybe an agent has a listing that they don't want to list because the seller's embarrassed. I mean, yeah. it could be a million things, but yeah, people are calling at this point saying, hey, come buy this house from me. So that helps a ton. But yeah, you know, there's so many different ways. Go ahead, Brandon. Are you doing any paperclip? You know, I don't. I don't do any AdWords. I don't do any Facebook right now. I did it for a long time. I did, I did AdWords for probably two years. And the price is just going up and up and up. You know, it was costing me 120 to 150 a click. And I'm getting radio calls for 30 to 40 bucks a pop. So it's just yeah. like, it just didn't make sense to keep paying that. You know, the real winner there is Google. Yeah, you might be able to get a deal and make 50 grand. I, I get it. I totally get it. But I just didn't like seeing all that money leave my account every week and the lack of deals coming from that. So I know some people do that specifically or exclusively and there's nothing wrong with it. It it's all just depends on, you know, how many people in your market are competing. Yeah, That's really yeah. what it comes down to. If you got a 30 people trying to buy that, buy those ads, those clicks, the price is going to get drove up really, really high. Yeah. And you don't really have that same type of thing with mailing or radio, like, or cold calling, like the cost of the dialers fixed. Right. Whereas there's, you know, if there's a hundred other people using that dialer, it doesn't change my price, but the AdWords, it did. And I didn't like that. So to answer your question, no, no pay-per-click right now. Okay. Okay. So when you come across a deal that the numbers just don't necessarily work, will you naturally switch it over to more um, negotiating on like terms instead of price or like subject to, 
You know, we do some deals like that, but typically those deals are just a pain in the ass. Let's yeah. be realistic. They're just a pain in the ass. And oftentimes people try to do those deals because they want to turn, you know, lemons into lemonade. And I'm not saying that you can't make a ton of money doing those type of deals, but to me, it's a distraction. My business is buying with cash, closing quick and buying as is. And that's the value that I add. And if somebody doesn't need to sell quick or sell as is, or, you know, then I don't necessarily want to work with them either, right? Like yeah. I'm looking for people that need to sell their house, not want to sell their house, right? Yeah. So if they need to sell it, then I'm going to make them an offer. If that offer works, then we're going to move forward. It just, it just makes it simple, right? Yes, we'll buy sometimes on like subject two or really even more importantly, we'll, we'll wholesale a subject two. We'll find somebody that's willing to sell subject two. We know five other guys that are buying subject two. And we'll get out of the way and make a couple grand to connect them. Sure. So definitely like that. We've sold a few on lease options, but I would never want to buy on a lease option because I don't really have the control and I don't really want to be paying someone else's mortgage. I'd rather pay my own mortgage, right? So yes and no. I know that was a little muddy, muddy question or muddy answer, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I prefer to just not go into the weeds. You know, we've done all those types of deals in the past. I know how to do them all, but again, it's just time consuming and, and usually you're trying to turn a not a good deal into a deal. And it, I just have never had that great experience. So to me, cash as is wholesale. Yeah. Just keep it simple, you know? Yeah. And I know people that do all these type of creative things. So when I spot it, whenever I spot the opportunity, I usually don't try to become the expert at 47 things. I'm already good at a couple of them. Right. So I'll just say, Hey, Jimmy, or Hey, this guy, or Hey, this guy, I got a great lead for you. You know, way more about this. Maybe you can make some money off it. Give me 15%. If you don't make any money, it's free. You know, just try to help the seller out too, you know? So yeah, that's just kind of where I come from. So let's talk about running the numbers and coming up with your offer and rehab costs and so forth. You know, at this point, I'm a firm believer that it takes, you know, a dozen or so times of getting out there, maybe even walking the projects with your contractors or just to get an understanding of right around where the numbers are. So you are more accurate instead of just kind of winging it and throwing it out there. But I mean, you, you've done well over 500 at this point. So obviously you guys have the systems in place for, you know, analyzing your deals. I know all wholesalers do it slightly different. What would you say about your deals? How are you guys running the numbers? So, you know, we remove the emotion from this business and we work strictly on the numbers guys. Yeah. So the, the, the formula that most investors use it's called the MAO formula. It's a maximum allowable offer. Yep. And it basically equals, so MAO equals ARV times your discount rate minus your repairs, right? So the discount rate's usually 70%. Why 70%? Because 15% is going to be your holding costs, your utilities, your taxes, your insurance, your closing, and maybe even your agent fees to sell it. Yep. And then about 15% profit. That's why you default it to usually 0.7. So you take, so again, your MAO equals ARV times discount rate, which is usually 0.7 minus your repair. So the ARV is what the property is going to look like or be worth once you fix it up. So no matter what the property looks like today, no matter what it looks like today, you have to imagine what it will look like once you fix it up, yeah. and how much it's going to be worth. So you always start with the end in mind. And how do you do that? You look at comps, you find other properties that are super close, that are super like Similar bed, similar bath, similar square footage, similar school district. Well, fully you know, similar area, 
Yeah, and you want to, well, you don't necessarily have to find the fully rehabbed ones. It depends on what you want to do, but find one that's similar to what you want to do. Maybe your ARV is based on fully rehab top end because yeah. that's what you plan to do or that's what you, someone else plans to do. But there might be other markets where just make, doing like a make ready might be more profitable and quicker. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of depends, but, you, but you're absolutely right. What is this property going to be worth, right? Start there, multiply it by 70% and then subtract out your repairs. And the repairs are so simple to determine. Basically, no matter what, we start at 10 to 15 bucks a foot, no matter what. You know, paint and carpet typically is going to be 10 bucks a foot. If it needs a good rehab, maybe it needs windows and a roof and flooring and some light fixtures, we're going to go to, you know, 20 to 25 bucks a foot. And if it needs everything, if it needs gutted, it needs a roof, you know, it needs everything, we're going to be 40 to 45 bucks a foot. And that's it. It's that simple. So 10 to 15, 20 to 30, call it or 40 to 50, those three different ranges is where we're gonna be. And we're gonna slide within the scale of those three, depending on you know, the area, it, yeah. because the material cost will be higher in certain areas to make it like those houses, yeah. as well as the amount of work that's needed, right? So I look at it as, you know, even when we buy a property that's almost rent ready, I feel like my company still puts eight to 10 grand into it. No yeah. matter what. You know, we're, we're going in and trying to reduce CapEx now to, so we don't have to do it later, right? So, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a foot, no matter what. Again, if it needs like, you know, more than just the touch-ups and it needs some, you know, a little bit more work than 20 to 30. But if it needs a full gut, guys, I mean, you could even go as high as 55 a foot. But typically, we're around 40 to $42 a foot for a full gut rehab. And it's that simple. It's that simple. So what's our ARV? What are the comps say? Let's say the comps say 200,000 bucks, right? We got four or five good comps. They're all similar square foot. They're all on the street or nearby and they're going for 200K. So we take 200K and we times that by 0.7. That's a 30% discount, right? Again, where do we get that? 15% profit, 15% costs. That equals 140,000, right? So you guys are still doing the 70% rule? 100%. Always? Okay. Absolutely. Now, it's a sliding scale because if it's a great neighborhood, I'll go to 75, maybe even 80%. Yeah, but some, if it's a, some markets don't really cost that. Not it? at all. Yeah. It, it depends. But there's other places in my city that I'll, I'll be at 20%, 30% because yeah. I don't want it. And basically, yeah. you have to give it to me for me to take it. No, I so, get that's it. A, so that's why I don't say ARV times 70% minus yeah. repairs. It's ARV times your discount rate. Cause that's a sliding scale, you know, depending on your own market for me, 70% works really well. It's 15% profit. It's 15% cost to buy and sell and hold. So it's simple. So again, 200 K ARV times that by 70, we're at 140, And then we take out the repairs guys. So let's say we have a thousand square foot home and it, it needs a good rehab, not a gut, but it needs a good rehab. You know, that's 25 bucks a foot. So that's 40,000. We're going to take off a 140 was where we were at. We're going to take off 25,000. 25 bucks a foot times a thousand is 25. That puts me at 115K. Now, here's where the formula is the most important. MAO equals ARV times our discount rate minus our repairs. We've done that. ARV was 200, discount rate was 0.7, repairs were 25. Got me down to 115. So that's what my MAO equals, my maximum allowable offer. So I'm never going to offer 115. Never. Yeah. Not never, but not today, right? That's where I have to end. So, the maximum that I can go up to is 115, but I got to have some negotiation room in there. Nobody wants to just work with a you know, firm guy that's not moving. 
So I'd probably offer more like 100 or 105 on this particular deal and have the ability to come up to 115, all right? Now, that's if I'm buying it. If I'm wholesaling it, I know that the maximum allowable offer for all the other investors out there is probably also 115. So if I'm gonna wholesale this particular deal, I need to take out a wholesale fee now. So that whole formula changes, Brandon. It, it becomes MAO equals ARV times your discount rate minus your repairs minus your wholesale fee. You add that onto that formula. So if I was wholesaling this, you know, I would probably want to come in more like 90 or 95 because I know that I would probably be able to sell it for 105 to 115 and I have to have that spread. So that's how we calculate our offers and that's how we do our repairs. That's it. I mean, that's basically chapters 10 through 14 right here, right? I mean, you got, you got to remove the emotion out of this business, you know? So, and another thing is, is the ARV and the repairs kind of go hand in hand. Because if you spend $80 or 80,000 in repairs, is it going to give you, you know, $80,000 worth of added value or is it going to give you 150,000, right? So you, again, you want to determine your ARV based on the comps. Sometimes the ARV isn't the best bet, you know, like getting to the highest end of the market, sometimes just trying to fit in with the rest of them. But by doing that, you know, maybe you're 10, 15 grand short on your ARV, but your rehab cost could be half which could be 30 or 40 grand in some cases. So that's, you know, those two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So for all the listeners out there, basically, you know, the, the 70% is just a rule of thumb. It depends on the market. Just like David said, he, you know, in certain areas that he doesn't want, he'll drop it all the way down to 20. Uh, so it really just matters. Yeah, and I'll go up as high as 80% sometimes, but that's typically only when I'm buying it for myself as a rental and I'm going to burst strategy it out. You can't, you can't wholesale when you're paying that much. There's yeah, no yeah. room. It doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? So the only time we'll ever go above 75 typically is if we are the buyers ourselves. Okay. Awesome. So David, talk about the course for a second and then how everybody can get a hold of that because I know you're giving that out for free and then how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And I appreciate you for having me, Brandon. It's been a pleasure and I'm grateful for your time. Cool. Guys, if you want to learn how to wholesale real estate, we have a book. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate. You can find it on Amazon. It's like 15 bucks, I believe. But if you don't want to buy the book, I don't blame you. You can go and you can learn everything that's in this book in the book's companion course. So we built a free wholesaling course that goes hand in hand with the book. And it's located at freewholesalecourse.com. Freewholesalecourse.com. Super simple domain. And it is free. It's 100% free. The whole course will probably take you three to four hours to get through, depending on, you know, if you're catching along right away or not. And it's 100% free, guys. I want to give back. I've done tons of wholesale deals. There's people out there charging, you know, two, $3,000 for courses that have less material in them. I know because I'm buying them all the time and I'm researching my competition. Yeah. So this is free. You know, there's contracts in there. We have purchase and sale contracts. We got joint venture agreements. We got option agreements. We got assignment agreements. We explain everything from marketing to motivated sellers to running appointments to locking up deals with contracts and selling those deals to your cash buyers. You name it, anything and everything, it's there. So again, freewholesalecourse.com. And that's it, man. Keep it simple. Freewholesalecourse.com. Love it. How can people get a hold of you? They can connect with me on Instagram. It's probably the best way. David yeah. Allen Dodge is my IG handle. 
my full name, David Allen Dodge, A-L-A-N. I mean, that'd probably be the easiest because I'm on there the most. Cool. Love it. Well, David, you are the man. I appreciate you so much. A tons of value step-by-step for people, which is great. And breaking down all the missing ingredients, all the stuff that, you know, the listeners are looking for right now. So greatly appreciate you for your time. Everybody out there, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. You can always reach out to me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Instagram, it's brandonelliotinvestments or facebook.com slash brandonelliotinvestor. Feel free to reach out. If you guys have any credit questions or, or looking to take your credit to the next level, fix it, get educated on it, build or leverage it so you can use your credit to actually get into real estate or whatever it may be, then uh, we teach all that stuff. You can check that out at thecreditcounselelite.com. And until next time, guys, we will see you next week. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.